Now, are you ready for the second installment of this message of the body of Christ? Uh, I've used intentionally the framework of racism to, to address this issue and to address it forthrightly and unblinkingly. Now, I understand that people will justify whatever they choose to believe. When you justify what you choose to believe, you're self-deceived and you're actually not interested in the truth. Scriptures say people perish because they do not love the truth. Now, these messages are not designed to affect the world. I don't, I'm not preaching these messages to um, groups that are fully invested in their form of racism. I'm not even speaking these messages to individuals who have convinced themselves that uh, their murderous intents, and I use the term murderous because that's the term the Bible uses, if you hate your brother without cause, you're guilty of murder. I didn't say that, Jesus said that. I'm happy to say it because He said it. I'm not shying away from it, He's right. And I, let me be counted among those who, who come to the truth, who stand with the truth, just like He said. He said, whoever, uh, whoever believes in the truth will come to Me, and He is the truth, and that's what He said. Hatred of your brother without a cause, and racism is that. You don't need an excuse. You look at somebody and you say, without without any other consideration, I am better than that person, I am this, I am that, in a superior way regarding that person. That's that's racial hatred and it's it's without a cause person hasn't done anything. When you do that, Jesus says, you're a murderer. No, I stand with Jesus in this matter and that's why I don't intend to mince words. I hope I haven't done that up to now. If I do, I repent and I'm, I, I will I'll make myself plain on the matter. So I don't intend to influence or change the mindsets of people who are already perishing, both in their delusion and in their actual conditions. These people live as though they will never have to give an account to God. They live in the uh, the short views of life. They talk in terms of and they act in terms of what is politically expedient, what is socially beneficial, what is financially profitable, what brings them out of obscurity and gives them a moment in the light of their own uh, understanding. But none of these things has any long-term, certainly no eternal perspective. They may last as long as the Lord lets, lets the earth remain, before He comes back. But these things have no future 
these points of view and these economies that attend them, they have no future when viewed from an eternal point of view. So I'm not speaking to men who love darkness, men and women who love darkness rather than light. People with deep brokenness in their souls and deep insecurities within their persons and the worst of the lot, those who understand that such persons do exist, maybe even exist uh, with a fair, fair number of, uh, uh, that they're a significant constituency of them and in, they are shameless and vulgar in the way they manipulate such hapless souls for political and social reasons and financial reasons as well. Uh, though to them, to the handlers of the masses of people is reserved the worst of God's judgments because they at least know what they're doing. Some of these hapless folks are just trying to find an identity and in the darkness in which they stumble around, these are the sounds that they hear from people who are just as blind as they are. For when the blind leads the blind, they both fall into the ditch. There is no long term, no eternal value to these points of view, however appealing they may be to people in the present state of time. Now, so I don't intend to appeal to groups of people who are entrenched in these perspectives and I don't intend to appeal to individuals who are deranged and delusionally deranged. I intend to speak to people who can yet hear the truth and I don't care, frankly, on what side of the line you are. If you're white or you're black or you're Hispanic, if you adopt these views, you're just, there's, no, there's no accounting for a, a better position when you hold the same views. Everyone who believes these damnable heresies are equally opposed to the, to the truth. And the color of your skin or the, the racial background or cultural background, as far as God is concerned, makes no difference. Now, who do I intend to appeal to then? I intend to appeal to people who have an interest in growing up and becoming mature, people whose lives may actually count for something measured by an eternal point of view. Lots and lots and the church is overpopulated with people who don't intend to grow up. They intend to be spoon-fed and they don't much care what garbage they're eating just so long as their bellies are full of it and they'll give their lives in defense of worthless, meaningless doctrines. But amongst these people, like, like pearls, um, like gold. Among these people, there are those who are the treasures of the earth and it's to them that I wish to speak. So, what is true? 
what is true. I want to begin with the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is John chapter 17. And in the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 17, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, I have finished the work which you have given me to do, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world began." And then he talks to how he manifested the name of the Father to men, and then goes on to say, they were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word, speaking of the twelve. Now he goes on to say, I do not pray for them alone, but for all who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you and I are one. Now I want to pick up in the reading, uh, this was just citing around verse 20 and 21. Now, and he said that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Who are the they? All those who believe in me through the words of the twelve. That's verse 20, John 17, 20. So throughout the world, throughout the world, irrespective of race, color, culture, social backgrounds, gender, Irrespective of that, if you are a believer in the words of the Apostles that have been uh, written down under the auspices of the Holy Spirit and form the thing called the New Testament, if you are a believer in that, this is Jesus' request of the Father concerning you, that they all may be one, as you are in me and I in you, they also may be one in us. Here's to what end, that the world may believe that you sent me. The world, the unbelievers, in seeing the manner in which 
all those who believe in Christ are one. And that oneness is not unity, that that is oneness, that's being a unified whole. And here is why it's a unified whole, because all of them need to be in Christ. This isn't about having a program that we could all agree upon and meet to march or meet to protest or meet to boycott. It is that you are assembled into Christ as one body. And the importance of this assembly is that in the way the assembled body, comprised of many parts, functions as one, the world has the evidence that Jesus came from the Father and what was said earlier in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world, that message now becomes that which is demonstrated through the oneness of the body of Christ. So years ago when Billy Graham would preach that the, the, the evangelical message is summarized in one scripture, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 17 is explaining what he means by that message and it's not the message of give me your hand, give God your heart and join the church of your choice. God gave His Son, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said now in John 17, the work of God is this, that you believe on the one who has been sent because by believing, and the word belief there or believing is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. It's the same word for faith, for faith, pistis, faith. It means to lie down without opposition to the truth of who Christ says He is that He is the Son of God. Now, He's the Son of God as the sent one, God sent Him, God gave Him. And it's not just so that He would come and die on the cross. The message of the cross is this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself by His death on the cross, that is Colossians. The message of the cross is how by His death on the cross, God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. In the death of Christ on the cross, the purpose of that, of that death was to provide a means by which 
we may be collected up again as the people of God within the context of the body of Christ. Now how does that work exactly? Here is the message of the cross from a grown-up perspective. This is the message of how in the death of Jesus on the cross, He became the propitiation propitiation for the sins of mankind. Now those are big words, but don't be put off by them because when you see the the implication of these words, when you understand what they mean, you can do nothing except stand back in awe with your mouth open at how glorious God is, how beyond brilliant God is. So the problem was this, when Adam sinned, and by the way, God knew Adam would sin, because he made provision for the salvation of Adam, for the rescue of Adam, before he made him. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundations of the world. How did God intend that man would be reconciled to God? What did he plan? What was his plan? Because once man sinned, there's nothing he could do to get back into the lost state because now he's a sinner and he does not have the right to come back to God because there's no fellowship in the condition of sin with a sinless God. So how is he going to get back? When we speak of salvation, we're not primarily talking about going to heaven when you die. We're talking about being reconciled to God, that God was in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. And just to keep the, the thread going in your head, I am saying, that being reconciled to God in Christ is to be assembled as parts of one body, so it's not a discussion of unity to do things, it's functioning in the earth under one head as one body and there is no place in this for racism. In fact, racism, when measured by that metric, is a doctrine of demons. It's the thing that the enemy is able to hold on to and turn people from the way of God. The best I could say for someone who claims he believes in God, in Christ, and is a racist, is that he is an infant, he's a child, because he's exhibiting the behavior of children, like in, like in the Corinthian church where they were divided amongst themselves, some saying, I am of Paul, some saying, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ, and they would prefer to eat in a segregated way in their groups whenever they would come together for for common fellowship. And this this is what the Apostle Paul had to say 
to them in their state of arrested development. He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then when he picks it up again in, in the 11th chapter, there he's speaking about the Lord's Supper and he says, do you despise the body of Christ and shame those who do not have the means? And he talks about the division of the body of Christ in the harshest terms. And he says, because of this, because you fail to discern the body of Christ, some are weak, some are sick, and some die before their time. And I'm telling you here today, when this message is being broadcast and the standard of God's Word is being brought back, judgment will come upon those leaders who handle the body of Christ in such a foul and contemptible fashion without ever addressing, in fact encouraging the racism against their brothers. This is to lay an, a filthy hand on the body of Christ. This is to, this is to to offend the nature of a holy God. Now, they may have done it ignorantly, but when this word comes forth, ignorance will be no fig leaf behind which you can hide any longer. Why is this so? Because the time has come for the standard of who God, who Christ is in the earth, to be raised up. This is a clarion call for those in this battle to come alongside. The king's standard is being held up right where the king is. And whoever sees the king's standard, move from where you are and come to the standard of the king. Jesus says, whoever loves the truth will come to me. That's the army he's raising in the earth today and the rest of it will fold into the godless culture of the present age and be just a harlot that plays for the favor of political kings. This is where we are now. This is the time in which we are. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. This has gone on long enough and God is drawing the line in the sand here today, in this season. This putrid evil has burst forth in all of its ignominity and it cannot be ignored anymore. This shameful silence on the part of the majority of leaders today in the evangelical church is a horrifying testimony to how far from Christ we have fallen and how obscure the standards of Christ have become to the Sunday morning experience. So God is in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. How is He doing that? I will unpack the box 
in, in the next message. But here, the propitiation. Let me give you the, the, the lead up to it. Propitiation is a term we find in the Scriptures, in the book of Hebrews. And there it refers to the Ark of the Covenant. And in fact, when the Hebrews referred to the term propitiation, it was a reference to the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is that Ark of the Covenant, the golden box overlaid with hammered gold. Isn't that a beautiful expression? Because He was beaten with many stripes. He is the refined golden standard of God. And in the box were placed the elements of a testimony and the elements of a covenant. I'll, I'll want to unpack that in greater detail, but I'm just, because I'm running out of time, I want to get to a certain point with this today. And that is that God sent Christ into the earth, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Why did He give Him? He gave Him as this box of propitiation, this Ark of the Covenant. Because when man sinned against God, he has no more communion with God because he cannot initiate it. God has to initiate contact with man and God did that as He planned from the foundations of the world to do. He came in the form of His Son, the incarnate, hail incarnate deity, He came as the living God, as a gift from the Father to receive mankind who would accept Him as that gift of reconciliation. It's not just that you accept that He died on the cross for your sins and if you believe that message you'll go to heaven when you die. No, it's not just that. He assembles you by His Spirit into this spiritual corpus, this spiritual body, so that you become a partaker of His divine nature. And then He begins to conform you to the exactitude of His own nature, so that when people see you, they will see Him. Now until then, God, when He looks at you, only sees the box. You are in the box. Everything that is in the box is therefore propitiated. It means that it has an attribution from God of the righteousness of Christ. The cross was the means by which He paid the price and God granted Him the right to redeem creation that would come to Him to be assembled. That's the term belief, pistis. When you're assembled to Christ, you are in Him, He is in you and the Father is in Him and you are in the Father. A different identity, a holy race, a distinctive people in the earth, not the human race but the sons of God, 
Racism does not belong anywhere near that. I'm Sam Solon, we'll continue this. We've opened up this subject and we'll pursue it. Join me for the next session.